You're listening to the Morrowology Podcast. It's all about Morrow County, Ohio. I'm really glad I stayed till the end for this one. In the studio today is your hosts, Mike Wilson and Joey Powell. Well, hello, Micamus. Yo there, Joe. How are you, good sir? I'm I'm doing fine. Awesome. I'm not sure exactly what happened there with the intro music. Did you hear the missing? No. There's a little bit of missing sound. I don't know what happened. Anyway, it still sounds good now. Okay, my voice is here. That's all that matters. Yeah. And yours. Yeah, your, your, yeah, your voice. You said it right first. I know you did. So, how's it going there, Mike? It's snowing. It is. It is. What is today? The 13th of... Um, today is March 13th, Monday. Yeah. And uh, a happy belated birthday to Mayor Josh Breckner, or Bruckner, or Josiah Breckner. Anyway... Happy uh, belated birthday to Jamie Brucker. Does he listen to this? Uh, sometimes. Okay. He, his, his, his sound clip is in the beginning there. I'm glad I Well, that's right. It is, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so he uh, had his birthday yesterday. We had a little surprise party for him on Saturday morning. He was quite surprised when all of his friends and family popped into the movie theater, and he, was, he thought we were waiting for a group. <laughs> Not all of his friends. I wasn't there, but yeah. Well, he, I said friends. Oh, oh, oh no! Okay. It was uh, a very small group. Um, it was still a good time. It was fun. Uh, it was hilarious because I thought he had caught on to the surprise, but he didn't. So, happy early or late birthday to him! Since we're recording this after his birthday, what's uh, been going on this week, Mister Mike? Anything new? Uh, nothing new. I'll tell you what. People need to look forward to April sixteenth. April 16th. That is the date that the History Center will be open for the first time for this season. No way. Uh, Double check that and make sure that's a Sunday for me. (laughs) The people are happy. Can you hear it? I can hear that. There are some amazing displays. People have been working um, in our off season. Yeah, it's the weekend after Easter. After Easter, correct. It's actually the Orthodox Easter, but yeah, so it's the weekend after Easter, the 16th. There are some amazing displays. We're going to, between now and April, uh, sometime we'll have some folks in here that have worked on those displays to kind of let you in on what's going on. Um, there's been some work on the uh, walls that's been need to be done down there. Uh, some brand new, really exciting displays from Morrow County's past. I mean, I am really excited to get the season going. So I was quite surprised when I uh, got to go in there the other night, and I was like, "Whoa, yeah." Um, some some things been moved around to to make more room to make the place look um, be more accessible. There are times we have a big crowd in there for like uh, Christmas and and different things like that. And it's going to be more accessible and easier for people to move through there. Uh, better signage, so you can go through on your own and read what each display is about. There is so much going on at the Morrow County History Center that it's at 17 West High Street, Mount Gilead, on the square, 2 to 4, April 16th, and then most Sundays after that, uh, 2 to 4 in the afternoon. So uh, please... Come support your local historical society. And if somebody wanted to bring in a small group, maybe when you're not open, where you don't have scheduled hours, or if they wanted to schedule a, a special meeting or something, a, a grouping activity, what would they do to make that happen, Mike? Well, um, I would say that the best 
person to call for that. Uh, she is retired and has um, she has free ample, time to do that. I was going to say ample time. Yeah, ample time, yes. Um, would be Phyllis Miller at 419-946. I've called this number for years and years. <laughs> it's on the door. The it is on door. the door. Look on the door. Uh, come up to the door there and take a look. Or you can go on Facebook and leave us a message there that uh, you have a group that like to come through or whatever, and we will accommodate that. We do ask that if it's, uh, especially during the winter when we might have to turn on the heat and so on, that you do leave, you know, bring a special group through, leave a donation uh, to help offset some of that. But there really is no charge. So keep that in mind. And the, the, the cool things that are down there, um, some of the original furniture that has been, you know, that was brought in to some of the local stores mm-hmm. or some of the other landmarks. And I'm using quotes here because we feel that they're landmarks. Others may not. Um, and some some of them don't even stand anymore. Uh, and, and, and folks don't even know uh, what kind of cool history that uh, we may or may not have, uh, uh, you know, had some of the cool stuff. So, um, anyway, like Mike said, if you're interested, join them on a Sunday starting the 16th of April from 2 to 4, and uh, they'll be looking forward. I'm looking forward to see who we're going to have up here and what they're going to tell, what they're going to share. Oh, I don't want to give anything away. I'm going to I'm going to leave that for those folks, but I tell you what, if you've been to the History Center before, you got new stuff to see, well, old stuff, but new displays to see. Uh, concerning Mara County's history. And it I, I'm excited. Looks different. It, looks, it looks different yeah, down there. So. certainly. All right, also going on this week here, just to let you guys know, the Capitol Theater is showing its second weekend of the Woody Harrelson film, Champions. It's a good heartwarming tale, and uh, there were a few people who walked out in tears at the end of the movie, Mike. Oh, okay. Because they were just so moved by the movie. Uh, and it was a good, it was, you know, good tears, happy tears. Um, there's a lot of laughy, uh, laughing in there, you know, lots of comedy. Um, but overall, a great movie. So if you are interested on Friday and Saturday nights, it is 5 p.m. and 8 p.m. And on Sundays, it's 2 p.m. and 5 p.m. So we'll look forward to seeing you at the movie. And today, we are going to do things just a little different. Mike, please put your tray table in the upright position. Keep your hands and arms inside of the flight until it comes to a complete stop. Here we go. All right. <laughs> All right, Mike. Part two. Okay, we started talking about Chautauquas last week. Chicago. I'm still having trouble with that word, Chautauqua. Um, uh, The the Chautauqua was so named as its origin. It it originated in Lake Chautauqua in New York in the 1870s. Um, It was originally a Methodist church thing. And soon they added um, different kinds of entertainment and so on. And it became really popular in the late 1800s and early 1900s. The first Chautauqua. <laughs> oh, boy. This isn't uh, going to get old, just so you know. <laughs> was in, uh, in Morrow County. Was in 1905. We covered that last week. And um, it was felt that technology killed off the Chautauqua in the 1930s because of people going to motion pictures, having radios, and with um, automobiles, they could go wherever they wanted pretty much. And also the Great Depression had a part in that. So um, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. And again, my good friend uh, Stan Sipe has put all this information together. So I'm just reading 
for what Stan has written. He did a lot of research on this. Easily the most recognizable person to appear at the Mount Gilead Chautauqua was William Jennings, Jennings Bryan, who appeared in 1917. The famed lawyer and orator and presidential candidate headlined the Sunday program and spoke on a variety next page <laughs> of topics, including women's suffrage and nationwide prohibition. Brian spoke to the capacity crowd assembled beneath the tent at the fairgrounds. The 1909 assembly, extended to 10 days, featured a junior program for local children. After being educated in the Native American way of life, they put on a performance demonstrating what they had learned on the final day. The 1912 Chautauqua got off to a rocky start. Just as the first session was about to begin, Mount Gilead was walloped by a severe thunderstorm. High winds blew down the tent at the fairgrounds, injuring two people. Then the rain came with it. When the rain finally stopped, the sun came out and made the air hot and steamy. That was in 1912. The location of the Chautauqua in 1923 was moved from the fairgrounds to a vacant lot on West Center Street. The Red Path Lyceum Company provided the assembly this year and added a new feature for children, a kite flying contest. The Chautauqua got underway on the afternoon of August 2nd with a choral group performing in native costumes. Later that night, it was learned that Morrow County's favorite son, United States President Warren G. Harding, had died in San Francisco. Um, suffice to say, the president's death cast a pall over the rest of the five-day event. By 1924, nearly a third of the nation was attending Chautauquas. At this year's event, another Harding, this one, the ex-governor of Iowa, was a featured speaker in Mount Gilead. On the evening of the fifth and final day, a clay uh, modeler spoke to the audience while he crafted a bust of Abraham Lincoln. The first Chautauqua in Mount Gilead back in 1908 opened with a concert consisting of Mozart's music. The closing performance of the town's final Chautauqua in 1926 was a... was a... humorous. There we go. It's two parts there. Who also played the banjo. In between, the people of the community were enlightened and entertained by hundreds of singers, musicians, orators, ventriloquists, magicians, politicians, men of the cloth, and even a war hero or two. Although $1.50 was a lot of money to our ancestors then, they got their money's worth at the Chautauqua. He's turning the page, folks. <laughs> okay, thank you for the narration there. Uh, it was in 1914 when the Chautauqua first came to Cardington. The six-day event was under the direct supervision of the Lincoln Chautauqua Company. The site of the tent was Mills Field, just off East Main Street. To advertise the August event, a caravan of 29 automobiles visited Ashley, Fulton, Marengo, Mount Gilead, Edison, and Caledonia. At each place, the Cardington party, complete with the town band, stopped for an hour or so and invited the people of those towns to attend the Chautauqua. The governor of Oregon was one of the speakers on the program. 
Another speaker was a naturalist who had accompanied ex-president Theodore Roosevelt on his African expedition a few years earlier. In addition, local talent performed during the assembly. Cardington's first Chautauqua was a critical and financial success, and it cost the residents nearly $750 to bring it to the village. The next year, 1918, was somewhat of an anomaly. Three Chautauquas were held in Morrow County within 30 days that summer in Mount Gilead, Cardington, and Marengo. One of the speakers at the Marengo event told of how a Native American had saved his life during a forest fire. It was during the war in Europe in 1918 that the people of Cardington opted to hold their own hometown uh, talent, Chautauqua, to raise money for the local Red Cross chapter. Held under a tent on Nichols Street, the seven-day event featured a variety of talented Cardington area people. One of the highlights of the week was the musical performances of the daughters of Captain Virgil Peck, who was leading men in battle in World War I. Another highlight was an operetta in two acts, The Feast of the Red Corn. All of this home talent, uh, home talent raised $1,800 for the Cardington Red Cross chapter. Cardington held no Chautauquas in 1919, 20, 22, or 23. Recent events had begun to operate at a, a deficit, requiring the residents to make up the difference out of their own pockets. It took a tremendous amount of time and effort on the part of local residents to bring a Chautauqua to town. The final Ch- Chautauqua held in the county was 1929 in Cardington. The highlight of the performance was a play, Mr. Ree. When this show closed, it brought down the curtain on the Chautauqua experience in Morrow County. So there's a little bit about the Chautauquas. I guess they're making a comeback. I, you were telling last week of uh, one of our local folks going to be in one in uh, Mount Vernon this yeah. year. Yep, definitely. And uh, I, I actually got a chance to talk to him this weekend, and he shared that uh, you know they're they're doing lots of those over in Mount Vernon. So that might be something that uh, we could get going here. You know, Mike, uh, you're into a actually a Chautauqua esque type event at least once a year and that would be the cemetery walk oh sure it's the same kind of principle really if you think about it so um maybe folks uh we can get something to go uh i would love to find out more about these and i'd love to bring those back to life i think that'd be a really cool thing for us to do so with that being said let's uh flash back to the present here we go All right, Mr. Mike. So lots going on this week. I'm telling you, uh, between this week and the next, uh, I mean, through Easter, really, there's a lot going on. If you uh, are interested, tomorrow, which would be Tuesday the 14th at 6 p.m. at Headwaters Outdoor Education Center, that's right behind the sheriff's office there on County Road 76, it's creating a new garden, garden journaling, and garden Q&A course. And that starts at 6 p.m. At the Cardington Cafe on Wednesday, the 15th at 6 p.m., is Medicare 101 educational event. Now, they're going to walk you through things that you need to know if you're signing up for Medicare or will be signing up for Medicare, so you can start to talk about that. Now, there are many different things with Medicare that you need to know, and 
why not talk to an expert and have a good cup of coffee while you're at it? Then on Thursday at 6.30 p.m. is the air plant wind chime set up at the Groovy Plants Ranch down there in Marengo. Then Friday, Mike, here's where you can go for dinner. Okay. Right here. You ready? Oh, sure. The Cardington American Legion Hall is having their all-you-can-eat. And I'm, I said Cardington, and I, okay, I am right. It's the Cardington American Legion Hall, and it's an all-you-can-eat Alaskan Pollock. Includes baked potato, coleslaw, applesauce, roll, water, and coffee. All proceeds benefit your American Legion. It's $12 for adults, $10 for children 12 and under. Uh, let's see here. So that's going to be in Car- the big town of Cardington over there. And we have Moving in Prophecy. I found this one interesting. I wanted to share a little bit about this. It's at 6790 County Road 121. It is the Awakening Christian Center. Pursue love and the des- and desire spiritual gifts, uh, but especially that you may prophesy. Well, I'm prophesy. having a hard time reading. Prophesy, yeah. Sorry, I have, I'm having a hard time reading this. First Colossians 14.1. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So they've got, uh, looks like they're going to have some stuff. Oh, and this is our friend um, Steve Brenneman mm-hmm. uh, will be there. Um, and it says free noon meal on Saturday the 18th. RSVP for the meal, if you would, please. And you can send that to awakencc1111 at gmail.com or text it to 419-631-9591. And uh, that looks like it's going to be a pretty good time there. If uh, Then on Saturday, the 18th through the 19th, they're having the second annual. Um, actually, am I reading that right? I am reading that right. It just looks funny to me. It's the second annual Spring Fling Market Open House. And that is in Edison at Marcel's Vintage and Antiques. I thought that's where it was, but I wasn't sure. Right out there. Um, on 95 going towards Marion. It's Saturday and Sunday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Antiques, candles, crocs, furniture, unique items, and Easter and spring decor. Gift basket raffles and Chris's Euros food truck on site 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. And doesn't look like you need to R- need to RSVP there, but if that's not your thing, we have something else here. Uh, I think the tickets are sold out maybe for this one, but there might be an option if you call the Northmore High School. It's Night Sounds Dinner Show, and that's this Saturday at 6 p.m. at the Northmore High School. Then, Mike, I was looking through, and I found at least five different ads on stuff coming up, events, with the name Preston Cooper. Okay. And not all of them are local. And uh, I just saw on Facebook, I think I said this last week, where he was actually like headed down to one of the Carolinas for a gig. But uh, this Saturday, he'll be at the End Zone Bar and Grill here at the Square in Mount Gilead at 8 p.m. Yoga at the Ranch, March 19th at 9 a.m. It's a Sunday. You'll want to do that. It's at the Groovy Plants Ranch, that is. They're also going to have on Thursday the 23rd at 6.30 p.m. Lavender Eucalyptus Wreath. 
making, and I do believe you need to RSVP for that one. So go on to their Facebook page and get more information. Northmore is having their family fun night on March 24th at 5 p.m. Cardington Food Pantry is having a variety show at the Cardington Cafe on March the 24th. That's a Friday night at 6 p.m. Then, Mike, uh, most of these are out towards later in the month. But we do have Easter. Cardington Legion is having their Easter egg hunt. And that'll be Saturday, March 1st, or April 1st, I'm sorry, at 8.30 a.m. There's the Cardington Pancake Breakfast also on the 1st. That's going to be right there at the Cardington Community Center. Maringo is having their Easter egg hunt at the Maringo United Methodist Church. That's on Saturday the 1st as well at 10.30. And uh, they have all, I mean, there's, you just, this, this list is becoming too long to read online here so do you have anything mike that i miss excuse me <coughs> you caught me off guard there I, I, uh, you got choked up that's okay <laughs> well uh we usually try to stick to mostly things going on in Mara county however i'm going to be involved with something with the marion county historical society on march 25th they will have their uh night at heritage hall and that is at their big museum on church street there that's the former um post office and that'll be march 25th 6 to 9 there will be people costumed as people from mostly marion county's past um i have a great uncle that had a uh, store um on north main street and i will be portraying him in the store downstairs at the his at the um uh museum there in marion so uh keep that on your calendar march 25th 6 to 9 uh, you can go on the Facebook page for Marion County Historical Society and find out more details if you like. Um, it's, it's quite an event. Uh, it's, it's a learning event. And it's a fun event. And um, they'll give the kids flashlights. They can go around and find these different characters throughout the uh, museum. And it's a lot of fun. So That sounds cool. March 25th, 6 to 9. Of course, it's based on a famous movie from a few years back. So I think there was a sequel to that movie as well. Oh, yeah. Now I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, my friend Gail Martin started it several years ago, and uh, this tradition is continuing. So March 25th, get over to Marion between 6 and 9 and be a part of Night at Heritage Hall. All right. Uh, also wanted to share that Mar Little Theater will be doing Jungle Book Kids this summer. be a kids show. And um, I got the opportunity the other night, Mike, to go speak to the Morrow County Women's Group. Oh, wow. At, at the winery in Cardington. And uh, it, was, it was pretty cool. Uh, the, the variety of people, people that I, wouldn't, I didn't think that, okay, I know you from this walk and this from that. And, the, you know, I never would have thought that they would all be together in one place. Uh, so it was actually really cool to talk to them. And, and uh, I've gotten some feedback and some cool information. Hopefully, we can figure something out and uh, get some information out there to some folks and, and hopefully make MLT even bigger and better than it already is. But the kids' show this summer will be awesome. Then we're doing a show called Trap, directed by Alita Jones. And that's going to be a cool one. I've got an idea I want to add to that show. Hopefully, we can do that. And uh, then we're working on our Christmas show. Uh, and trying to figure out what we're going to do for that. So, all right, Mike, are you have, ready? Have for... you ever heard me sing? What? What was that? Have you ever heard me sing a solo? Yeah. 
Yeah. So, well, so low that no one else. Yeah, can hear I know. You. I yeah. know. I know. Yeah. Sorry, okay. I set it up. <laughs> I'm not even going to give myself. A oh my! Punch for that. All right, are you ready? Uh, let's go to the warning. Warning. <laughs> warning. Terrible. Terrible puns ahead. Warning. Warning. And uh, warning. we're going to dedicate these terrible jokes today to Jamie Ziger for listening. Uh, Every week. She, she deserves some kind of award for listening. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So but, our, did I tell you about the email I just got? No. It was uh, a, about pork and preservatives. It was spam. Oh, geez. <laughs> what did the daddy tomato say to the baby tomato? Ketchup? Yeah, ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> Want to hear a joke about a piece of paper? Not really. Never mind. It's terrible. But it will Without geometry, life is pointless. Ooh, that would—that's a Wayne All joke. He would really like that one. Yeah, he would, wouldn't he? He would. What? What? You got another one? Um, I'm I'm working on it. Okay. What do you call a cow with no legs? Uh, ground beef. <laughs> you got it, buddy. Ground. Fine, you're getting beef. into the old ones there from my era. From are they this old? all right i bought some shoes from a drug dealer i don't know what he laced them with but i was tripping all day (laughs) you know i was just reading that last year four million two hundred thirteen thousand two hundred fifty seven people got married i don't want to start any trouble but shouldn't that be an even number no i think you're right that's interesting i gave all my dead batteries away today Free of charge. <laughs> oh, my. What noise does a 747 make when it bounces? Boing, 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 like Boeing. Yeah, just like Boeing made the 747. I'll explain that for you there, Jay. No, I, I got it. I well, got I was it. explaining it for Jamie. Oh. <laughs> hey, look, I'm rolling my eyes just like she's doing right now. Yes, you I are. guarantee you. Yeah. All right, you got one? Um. No, I don't. A ham sandwich walks into a bar and orders a beer. The bartender says, sorry, we don't serve food here. Oh, my. (laughs) If I had a dime for every book I've ever read, I'd say, wow, that's coincidental. Oh, okay. Okay, got it. Okay. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. You're saying wow. <laughs> come on, I've got these ter- this whole book. Yeah, I know. That book may come up missing here soon. What did the buffalo say to his son when he dropped him off at school? Bye, son. Are you... Okay. Whenever the cashier at the grocery store asks Mike if he would like the milk in a bag... He replies, no, just leave it in the carton. (laughs) Wow. Why do you never see elephants hiding in trees? Um, Because they're good hiders. I don't know. Because they're so good at it. Oh, okay. I was right. All right, I'm done. I can't do anymore. 
All right, you got to. That, that's all I have. That's all have, I have today. Uh, no. Mike, come on, seriously? No, I I just didn't didn't prepare. All right, well, um, that's the last joke. Now we're gonna go to a pre-recorded uh, message here, where Mike got the opportunity to interview Becky Barker. In the studio today is Becky Barker. She is an ex- extension educator for 4-H Youth Development. That's a long title, it Becky. It is, yes. And I've known Becky for a while, so uh, she was on here last year, I do believe. Yes, I was. Thank and you. so we asked her back, and um, I think her main topic today might be 4-H. Most certainly is. Um, going along with that long title is that I work for the Ohio State University. Yeah, you got to um, get the that, in there, yes, yes. As that extension educator in uh, Morrow County. And 4-H is uh, my primary role with our traditional program in Morrow County. Um, we uh, 4-H is up and running. I'm glad we are here this today because it is um, Ohio 4-H week. And we're across the state of Ohio. We're all celebrating this uh, wonderful traditional program that's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the largest youth organization in the country, uh, maybe even the world. I don't. I would. That's I, a question I have. Is 4-H in other countries other than the United yes, States? Yes. Okay, There's I thought it at was. At least eighty countries that it okay. is in. Yes. So we actually have. For many years, there was an exchange program with other countries where um, 4-H members would go to other countries and then also come to the United States. And that um, COVID changed a little bit of that for a while. So, But we do have some exchanges. We have kids going to other countries. We have leaders taking kids to um, those cultural cultural experiences in other countries, but 4-H is everywhere. So Morrow County is, um, we're in full swing of our clubs getting started and members getting um, to pick their projects. Um, We, our deadline for our 4-H program um, for new membership is April 30th. Um, Now, as if as your listeners may not all be from Morrow County, so you'd want to check with your county program. Um, to see what their deadline is. Uh, We work on an April 30th deadline for new members where Marion County, since their fair is so early, theirs is already um, passed. So, but you can always look to next year, but get information from those other counties um, and contact their offices. Well, I'm fascinated with the history of uh, 4-H. It was started in Ohio and uh, the man that founded it had a connection to Morrow County. Would you like to talk about all that? Certainly. Um, and I love history as well. And as when I first started and we were, um, we were actually writing up some history about Morrow County and um, celebrating a hundred years of 4-H. And as I looked through the history books, I found that our founding father of 4-H, which was A.B. Graham, who started 4-H in Clark County, Ohio, um, actually traveled by train to Morrow County to start the first Boys and Girls Club. So the first Boys and Girls Club was um, what 4-H was called at the very start. Um, A.B. Graham started that in Clark County as he was a school teacher. He wanted to extend learning. He wanted the hands-on of those boys and girls with their crop projects and growing corn and, and some livestock that they were already involved in, but he extended it beyond the classroom. And so he started that extra activity 
Um, and, and that was in 1902. And across this nation, um, the states um, recognize him as a founding, founding father. He traveled by train to Cardington and Edison um, on Saturdays and started a club in Morrow County in 1905. So A.B. Graham was in our county starting, and he was considered the first 4-H advisor in our county, which I find is phenomenal. It, it's fantastic, yes. Um, so when was the first uh, Boys and Girls Club started in Morrow County? 1905. Okay. With the uh, Locust Corners um, 4-H, or well, Locust Corners Boys and Girls Club. Um, the Lee family um, were involved with that, um, and they are still actually um, living in that area where that old schoolhouse is still standing, um, and it's in in several other members of the Cardington Edison area were part of that club. So he would come, and then um, several years later, with boys and girls clubs in the state of Ohio, um, I'm finding our first data for actual um, 4-H clubs is 1919. And that's when the first extension office started in Morrow County. And we had 80 kids um, and um, seven clubs in 1919. And J.P. Schmidt, the first agent at the time, was in charge of our county program and extension. And they took sewing projects, and um, there was a hog club, and then also um, there was a, a cooking club as well. So those were the type of things that were the interests of the kids at the time. And, of course, Morrow County was very rural, so that does make yes. sense. Yes. Yeah. Maybe that's why he came to Morrow County, because of the ruralness, if that's a yeah. word, I would, of, our yeah, of that county. I would love to figure out why Morrow County, but that was um, – and there might have been some friendships that were um, formed that brought him here when he was working at the, because he went on to work at the university level. Um, and so those friendships were that were maybe formed there that um, brought him to Morrow County in, in, our, in the wonderful start of our 4-H program. Any other tidbits about the history you'd like to share with us? I know, I know that you love the history because I heard your presentation earlier this week. Certainly. I mean, we have... Um, and we can delve into it more of where the building still stands. And there's a lot of um, past experiences that our members um, and our community has had with 4-H over the years. Um, I love to talk about Pete Dalrymple, one of the first uh, 4-H agents of, of our era. And he the things that he would do to get clubs and kids enthusiastic about 4-H starting, he would drop their, um, their club packets out of an airplane um, tied to parachutes, of course, oh, wow. and drop it to the clubs. And the yeah. kids would just wait for those packets. They'd ha schedule a day, and Pete would drop those out of an airplane to the clubs so they could get started for their club year. Wow. So that's just some <laughs> of the things. And we have lots of other experience, lots of lots of things. We were involved in wars with um, selling the war bonds and, and um, things like that that have come along the way within and we're, you know, 4-H is one of the um, parts of 4-H is involved in community and community service. Our clubs all do community service, at least one community service, sometimes multiple. Mm -hmm. So the involvement that way across our county in history um, is significant with involvement. I can remember uh, I was in the Frozen Hill Junior Farmers, which is long gone now, but was at the time one of the oldest clubs in Morrow County. 
one of our community projects was to do some painting at the fairgrounds. Uh, there was a short wooden fence around the, um, around the racetrack. And we painted that, or at least portion of it, and we painted some of the buildings. Um, I was up on a ladder painting, and one of my fellow members, who is now deceased, uh, decided to take the paint and paint my shoes while I was on the ladder. So um, <laughs> I've never forgotten that. You always have great memories of 4-H community <laughs> service, or just 4-H in general. Yeah. Now, so there'll be... Um, you know, our clubs have done over the years picking up um, roadside trash litter um, is a huge one that we've done over the years. We have a club that annually um, participates in in the Veterans um, Day parades and makes sure that um, all the graves in the one um, cemetery have flags on it of our of our servicemen and women. And so that's one that I can think of as well. But gathering. Um, goods for food pantries or going to the dog pound to our dog shelter and walking the dogs there and and helping out with individuals there as well just some of the things going to nursing homes and playing games with the with the the um, individuals in the nursing homes and the elderly there but those are community service but so community service is huge part of giving back and teaching kids about the importance of giving back to their community almost certainly and those values stick with those kids throughout their lives. Now, <clears throat> one of my memories was going to Camp Ohio for camp. Um, <clears throat> I think I went two years. I got homesick both years. <laughs> that <can laughs> that was a problem. But the next day, I was fine. Got into all the project, all the things we were doing down there, and so on. Uh, tell us a little bit about the camp and what goes on there, and and. Um, just share with us about uh, Camp Ohio. So, um, Morrow County um, every, annually takes um, our group, our Morrow County youth, to 4-H Camp Ohio. Um, we the first record of that is in 1927. We camped with um, Franklin County at Camp Ohio. I believe they probably were in tents. I think that's the picture I've seen over the years. Uh, with the start of, of 4-H camp. Uh, annually, we take a group of our 4-H members down. Um, it is the, you know, the goal of 4-H camp, I've always said, is to learn new things mm -hmm. and make friends and and ex and have those experiences away from home. Um, and kids just grow and they come back as every year and they just love camp and there are some homesickers that don't make it back sometimes but but I'm glad you stuck through it so usually we can get you through that first night we can get you through the whole week of camp well I had some counselors that uh, took me into the counselor's cabin and uh, uh, staff cabin I guess it was and talked me into well, well, well let's see let's see how you're doing tomorrow and tomorrow I was fine from then on out so um I learned a lot, and, and that was some of my first experiences away from home. Yeah. So for me, yeah. that was a growing experience. Yes, and that's the thing. we You know, those those lessons or skills that they can gain of, you know, being away from home and that independence, um, learning those independent skills. Um, yes, they're with camp, counselor, camp counselors. Yes, they're with the adult staff. But you've got to do some independent living and figure out some of those skills and grow those skills as well. Um, we uh, we take uh, approximately 280 
um, of us to camp. We're one of the largest camps there at 4-H Camp Ohio. We're there five days, four nights. Um, I'm actually getting ready to interview camp counselors next week um, for their role. Um, they're teens that are freshmen and older that are um, they're the leaders of our county and our youth program and uh, work with our kids at camp to help develop those skills and give those kids those opportunities that they might not have anywhere else. And I'm always, you know, I growing up in a rural county myself and pretty outdoors and my family was and um, I'm amazed at some of the things that kids don't get to do these days that they're like just that I may ta- may have taken for granted of just like even canoeing that you know being able to canoe or to uh, work with or be part of archery or just being in the outdoors those kind of things are it's exciting that they get to experience those skills okay now there's a wide range of um, ages that you can cater to um, looks like it's ages 5 to 19. Would you like to talk about some of the different age um, programs? Right. I don't know what other word to yes. use there. Yeah, there, we have um, the 5 to up to the third graders are considered um, clover buds. And so clover buds are activity-based. Um, they are are. They're, they're just not old enough and ready for those hands-on, um, some of the project knowledge um, gained and hands-on skills that go along with project work. So Clover Buds are activity-based. They have a, um, volunteers that work with them, and so they do large group act- or small group type activities or large group. Um, they have a day camp um, in the summer. And then, and then once they get to third grade, um, and eight years old on January 1st, um, they can then become 4-H project members up until that 19th um, birthday. And then the world of 4-H projects is there. And, you know, you and I were talking earlier about if they can think it, about it, it can be a 4-H project. Mm-hmm. The, the amount of projects we offer and can and for the youth to learn and explore and um, find their spark um, is endless, really. And I think people a lot of times think it's just, you know, it's, oh, we don't have animals, so we can't be in 4-H. And that's not the case. There's so many. And we I was naming them the other night when we I, I, I uh, saw you at a group, uh, and they anywhere from just, I mean, the robotics, the sciences, the health projects, the healthy living, first aid, those kind of things. Um, and on and on and on, fishing and other outdoors types projects. Yeah, uh, money management, that's a very practical one. Um, I took first aid for one of mine when I was in 4-H. I took, I think, not tying, which I didn't do very well with. I had rabbits, um, but you don't have to have animals. You don't have to be uh, agriculturally minded, you know. You, you there, There's lots of things, computers. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, um, and if you if it's not in their list... Talk to an advisor, and I'm sure that there's some way they can work that into being a project for you. Yep, and we have what 4-H has is called self-determined opportunities. Mm -hmm. So where the youth can, um, they discover um, it on their own. They want to say there's a, 
some of our the youth that love uh, music might want to um, involve in, be involved in a self-determined type project. So then they can um, set their learning goals and objectives up and just and find their adventure and, and um, learn from what, what they want to learn about. So mm-hmm. they plan their le- learning. But our project books that we have um, – Everything, of course, we're part of Ohio State University, so it's all research-based. All of our project books come out of Ohio State University, so they're developed by specialists and educators like myself. Um, So they're designed for um, hands-on learning. Um, They are self-driven by that youth and that parent that work with them um, through their project knowledge gained and skills and activities. So they're pretty I mean you can take a project and you know 4-H that we've it's a I always like to think of it as very family oriented um it's the youth picks the project something they want to learn more about but then that parent is involved with them helping them learn along the way with those projects it's step by step but there's that opportunity for you as a family to work together on projects and and I um I, over the years, my children were in, well, I was in 4-H, and my children were in 4-H, and that, some of our greatest memories are us working together as a family and experiencing 4-H by working together on projects, our livestock. Of course, we were very heavily into livestock. I mm-hmm. was growing up, but um, that's my greatest memories. And, and even as um, I did take a sewing project once, um, and I got to work with my aunt on that. And so that oh, wow. was one thing that, you know, I would have never got to do. Is, uh, so she and I were able to work together on that um, with a caring adult that helped me work through that. So the experience and that time I got to work with my aunt on my sewing project. And another one that caught my eye was genealogy. Oh, yes. You genealogy. can go back and check out your family's history. Oh, yes. It's huge right now, and um, those youth just love it. And I and I find that the ones that get into it just keep coming back because you can take that project year after year after year and just grow and find more things about your family. And um, so that is genealogy is one as well, yes. Let's say that somebody new comes in the area, knows nobody, and would like to get their child enrolled into a uh, 4-H club. What steps do they need to take to do that? How do they find out, you know, is there a club near me or is there something my kid would be interested in? How do they go about doing that? Sure. So um, one of your first steps would to be is to contact our extension office. Um, you can either do it by phone um, or by, or you can look on the website, our website with um, our web address, which um, you could look at any county in the state. It's our county name. And so it's morrow.osu.edu. And within that website is the 4-H Youth Development section. And once you get to that 4-H Youth Development section, you will see at the very top of the is, to, is how to join 4-H. Um, so in that is a listing of all our 4-H clubs um, and what you need to do as far as the steps. So we have 4-H clubs in all parts of our county, from the very northern part to the very southern part, um, we have 4-H clubs. So they're everywhere. They're in Mount Gilead. 
and they're out in the rural areas. They are everywhere, all the way over to Highland mm. School District, Cardington, everywhere. Wow. Um, and our, you know, if you if you would rather just talk to one of my wonderful office associates, they'll talk you about talk to you about the 4-H program. It's um, you can call our office at 419-947-1070. And if you didn't get that, we'll we'll repeat it again a little bit. Just so get your paper and pencil ready so you can write that down. Um, also, I I presume that uh, adults are needed as well. And what's the process? Or if I want to be a 4-H advisor or how can I help with 4-H, probably do the same thing that you just said if you want to be a member. Certainly. Yes, we do. We um, This 4-H program would not be able to run without the hundreds of caring adults and volunteers across this state and across this nation. Um, in Morrow County, we have 200 plus volunteers that help us um, run our program, and we're always looking and needing more. Um, those uh, volunteers that have a special interest that they would like to share with the youth or just want to, or maybe they are a 4-H alumni um, and they were um, want to give back to our community and help youth succeed and and find that enjoyment like they did as a youth. So um, the process is you have to apply, like just like a job application. So there's an application. Um, of course, our volunteers are background checked. We have, they go through um, an interview. Um, references are checked. And then they are, um, they go through trainings. There's a couple trainings that they will need to go through to we talk about the lots of pieces, parts of 4-H and the important parts of a meeting and and um, and working with youth, you know, to give their skills. So, but they are so very important. And we've got some lifelong ones. Um, we um, Bill Hirschner of uh, the Johnsville area is um, working into his 64th year as a 4-H volunteer. Um, not far behind him is Gene Dunbaugh of um in the southern just south of um, mount gilead um jan janet johnson is another one who uh when i started she it, she was very involved and is still involved and and then i have lots and lots and lots of um others that have been with us for 20 plus years um steve and betty may um are horse advisors and they just celebrated their 25th I know year. them. Yes, okay. Yeah, some of these names you probably recognize. There's lots of volunteers. They don't always let you know. They're um, they're very humble in what they that they are part of our youth organization. But I love to tell people that they are out there working with our kids, making and run, helping them um, learn and su succeed. And I ask them at our training. Um, we have they have an annual training. Um, why why are they here mm -hmm. what makes them keep coming back you know and when they say you know the things the skills the kids get the the um learning that that's in that they see in them the growth um russ mayor of uh, has has been around a long time in our county as well as he was a member and he's now an advisor and he's a volunteer on lots of different levels not only a club advisor he goes to camp, and he also helps with our junior fair board. But, you know, he loves to see how much the kids grow and learn. 
um, ex- and succeed in their projects and um, in their demonstrations. So, I mean, they, they talked about how they have friends that are their best friends for life because of 4-H. Oh, sure. That they met. Sure. So, um, I, you know, those kind of things. And, I, you know, I think about my own experiences, and I have those same things. I have friends that I would have never met um, without 4-H. And, and my skills and the things that I learned through 4-H have brought me to um, – my, you know, my occupation, really. And that's another hope that we, you know, 4-H members will get out of projects many times is that one project may take them into that interest of a, of a lifelong employment skill. Most certainly. And, of course, the culmination of your 4-H year is the fair. Yes. And you bring your projects and they get judged and... Um, we like to think of it at the World Series of 4-H. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it, yeah. I said that. We, yeah. Yeah. we do. We love our fair. We love um, it's the opportunity um, for our 4-H members to showcase their still projects um, and their livestock as well because they've worked really hard. Um, we've got project members that right now are they're already they're buying their livestock projects. They're ordering their poultry. Um, they're... So they're and they're also working on their still type projects. We've got them working on their clothing um, as well. So they are they're they're getting ready for that. And even though it seems so far away, it it'll be here before we know it. Yeah, 4-H was my first uh, oh time that I ever heard of parliamentary procedure, and that's that's another thing they learn in the in the clubs is uh, at their meetings are run by parliamentary procedure. And I think that's important later on in life. Oh, most definitely. Definitely. And it gives um, it gives every child in that in that 4-H club a voice in a and and to to when we utilize parliamentary procedure, you know, that's a skill that they will utilize down the road as adults, we believe, um, time and time again. And um, it also then they are part of the decision making, every single one of them whether it's voting on their T-shirt color or what kind of community service they're going to <laughs> partake in. I have to tell you about a, a uh, they used to have uh, safety um, demonstrations, oh. and I participated in that one year. Well, I, <laughs> I just have to tell you about this. I borrowed a lawnmower and was going to talk about safety of using a lawnmower. I didn't bother to see if all the grass was cleaned out from underneath the mower and the old um uh it's going to be demolished now the old uh, dining hall there is where we had these and i had this mower and started up and grass flew everywhere (laughs) it was a mess but i learned from that i learned to check out the mower before you take it out to the public there you go very much very good yep speaking demonstrations 4-h members um are are giving illustrated talks, demonstrations, health and safety speaking in their clubs. If we can get them, just we uh, – I'll have teachers tell me they can tell who the 4-H members are because they will – if they're doing presentations in their school or talks in front of their class, they have no problem, and they've already beat that that scare. <laughs> yes, and I, I was a very shy kid. I, I would get really nervous when I got in front of people – 4-H did help me with that, but I still carried that on into high school. So 
Um, I believe we probably all do. Even the best speakers will say that too, Mike. Yeah. Um, a couple questions here. Does a 4-H member have to take a project? Yes, they do. We Every 4-H member must take one, at least one project. Um, and like I said, the, there's a lot to choose from. Sometimes it's holding them back on some of those. The moms will say, They'll come in with many, way too many maybe for the child to, to conquer. So they do take time and, and work, So, um, but they must take at least one 4-H project. As a project. You had talked about the project books e- earlier. Do they have to use the project book or can they just go on their own? But they, are all, they all have a project book. So even our self-determined um, has a project book in which the youth fill out and then it helps guide them in their learning process. So um, there, I mean, 4-H is built on hands-on experiential learning. Mm-hmm. So the project books are set up so there's a experience, a hands-on learning, and for them to discover the, what, um, the learning. Okay. Um, can a school project be used as a 4-H project? So we... Um, a school project cannot be used as a 4-H project. Um, it can be enhanced, and the learning can be extended. Um, so you could, maybe you started something in school, um, but you can go on and learn more about that type of whatever the project may be. Maybe it was a research project, so you can extend that learning. So you're looking for new members, and you're also looking for adults to work with those members. Certainly. So once again, would you please, we have about a minute, uh, give the contact information for the extension office and and the process of getting into 4-H, either as a member or as an adult uh, helper. Seeking out. So we um, please contact our office at um, our phone number is 419-947-947. 1070. We are the OSU Extension Office in Morrow County. Um, You can check out our website. It's morrow.osu.edu. We not only do we have 4-H, but we have family and consumer sciences as well as agriculture and natural resources. But if you're looking to get into our 4-H program in those several ways, contact our office. We have a deadline for competitive 4-H as April 30th, but we do welcome members and volunteers any time of year, Um, but to be in competitive and go to the fair, April 30th is your deadline. So contact um, my office, myself, and we'll We'll give you lots of information and and welcome you to our program. Well, Becky Barker, thank you for being here today and discussing 4-H with our listeners.